would talk about the Bayern game, wouldn't you? Well, that's only because I know you, the Bundesliga. You love well. Bayern. You, no, I you, hate you, Bayern. Love. you know this. All right, welcome back to Track and Field. We're back for another week. We got another episode, and we have a race to talk about. Yeah, the first race of the F1 season. Yes, and we also have some news over on the second leg of the Track and Field Derby. It's finally completed. What's yep. the result? You'll find out soon. No spoilers yet. No spoilers, even though it's, I, it was kind of hard to miss the results of that, given the size of the club that uh, just won it. And it happened like two full days ago. Yeah, I've been having nonstop updates from both uh, One Football and The Athletic. So, fun, cool stuff. Let's start out with the first half of our name, Track. The Bahrain Grand Prix on the Sakir International Circuit, I believe that's what it is called, um, has concluded or taken place, I guess. I don't really know what to say, but the entire weekend is complete. Uh, we finally we, or we were able to see what teams are truly competitive, which teams are not, and which teams are named Ferrari and Mercedes. <laughs> yeah, it, it was that kind of race. What were your reactions from it? Um, well, I didn't get to watch the whole race because I was busy. You weren't doing supposed other to things. say that. You were oh. supposed to lie. No, but we're, <laughs> we're, we're all about transparency on this podcast. We give the people the truth because that's what they want. Okay. But like, you could, <laughs> it's fine. The race was on at like 630 in the morning. So I, I have a feeling this is going to be a consistent theme with most of the European races as well. <laughs> well, I wake up at 630 only to watch soccer. I, I would, my I would be too distracted to pay attention to an F1 race at the same time. Well, regardless, what were your reactions from the seven-minute recap video that you watched? So my initial reactions were that um, I was very impressed by Red Bull going one and two in the podium yeah, uh, with yeah. Verstappen finishing P1. And then <laughs> um, uh, I'm forgetting his name. Checo? Checo. Checo Perez, that's right. Sergio Perez, but we call him Checo. Everyone yeah. calls him Checo. And then Checo Perez coming in second. Um, very impressive from Red Bull. Uh, pretty much what you would expect at this point. You know, finished top two in qualifying as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was a lockout at the front of the grid for the uh, bane of my existence. Yeah. So... Unfortunately, they got P1, P2, but I can't say I'm that surprised. You can't say unfortunately since you don't really have any stakes in this, do you? No, but I do hate Red Bull organization. Yes. We, we can get into this in a, one week. There's going to be stuff where we have no news to talk about. So we're just <laughs> going to talk about why we dislike Red Bull and why we both have a moral obligation against drinking it. Yeah. Um, but besides that, um, it was also... A bit concerning to see uh, Leclerc not being able to finish the race. <laughs> that was um, the thing that stuck out the most to me just from watching the highlights. Oh, that's what stuck out to you. That's great. Well, it's because it's the most notable thing that happened, in my opinion. All right. So now I'll take over with my reactions that don't coincide with yours because I don't want to, like, repeat what you said. Mm -hmm. Besides Red Bull, yeah, I mean, th they're at a point where drivers and team principals are saying, yeah, they're probably going to have a perfect season. Dang. Which means they're going to win every race, which they got close to last year. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, Red Bull look unstoppable, which is quite terrifying. The Red Bull 19 is a masterclass. In fact, there was an interview, or at least like a quote from an interview with Christian Horner. I'm going to adjust my microphone here real quick. The team principal of uh, Red Bull, I believe it was with him. It turns out they actually had a tell tell both of their drivers to lower the pace because otherwise they would have been um, like 20 seconds ahead of the competition. Oh my They gosh. were already super far up, but they would have been even farther and it wasn't even going to be a threat to them. They just wanted to make sure the electronics would be able to last. So that way they wouldn't take uh, penalties for having replacement parts which another team is probably going to be facing in the second damn race of the season. And, and, God. and which team would that happen to be, Patrick? Oh, the Scuderia. Scuderia Ferrari, the team from Marinello. I love that team. <laughs> oh, give me a minute. It's fine. Um, no, it's not fine. It's, it's <laughs> not fine. It's the first race of the season, and Leclerc already lost power and has to take on new parts, which is probably going to give him a grid place penalty at the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix next week. 
It's okay. With these new replacement parts, Ooh. though, the car is going to be better. <laughs> and it's brand new already. <laughs> that's concerning, but it's trust. You got to trust the process. I trusted the process for so long. <laughs> you you got to trust it more. There's, uh, it's, it's out of your control, so you can't worry about it too much. I... <laughs> it could be worse. That could be Mercedes. Yeah. Which, by the way, Mercedes. Uh, how do I say this? Um, if you thought last year's car was a shit box, I don't know what you can say about this year's car because your team principal, Total Wolf, has already said that they are considering scrapping the year and moving on and developing next year's car. That's pretty crazy. Which is insane to think about when you think about the recent history of this racing team. I mean, they won how many constructors and driver championships in a row? Like five or six? I don't know the exact number. It's insane. It's like they were super dynasty. And now at the turn of the new regulations, they have not been able to find their fitting. They have won... Find their footing, rather. They've only won one race, and that was a f- the that was Brazil, Brazil last year. That was a crazy race, regardless. Mm-hmm. It's it's insane to think that Mercedes are in their current position, as that they are that they're so unhappy with their surroundings and their again their situation. It's crazy. Even worse than them, though, the other M team. McLaren, oh my god, oh my god, I I don't want to be too mean, but imagine they're driving like an unstable version of Windows 10, that's essentially what happened to Oscar Piastri, he went in because he had to change his steering wheel, and it blue screened. It, it was the steering wheel blue screened. It actually, oh my gosh. And he was, he couldn't finish the race. Which is a horrific debut for the rookie from McLaren. Yeah, but that's not really his fault. No, it's not. Just like it's not Leclerc's fault that his car uh, bleeped on him, too. Exactly. So, I mean... But, man, even Lando Norris was struggling with that car. I think they, overall, they placed the lowest out of any team. Thanks. So, the MCL 60s... MCL shitty is what I would say. Mm. You like that? You like, yeah. That's play on words. Yeah, no, it wasn't. That was really bad. <laughs> Someone say that was MCL shitty. Ah! I'm sorry. I'm sorry for yelling. Yeah, you probably shouldn't yell into the mic. Maybe sorry for the people wearing headphones. I'm not sorry. You should be. There are listeners. And yeah. mostly our family members. It doesn't matter. <laughs> our family members don't matter? What? How <laughs> could you say something like that? in my mouth. How can you, you are say putting words like that. Anyways. Anyways, I, and there's still a few more reactions I think are very interesting to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the MCL 60, really awful. I mean, when you start out the season with the engineers, the drivers, and the executives being pessimistic about the car, that's not a good sign. Yeah. When you go out and race and it's as bad as they say they are, if not worse, that's an even worse sign. <laughs> and the fact that they're not going to have what they should have started the season with in Lando Norris's own words until Baku, which is in like the fourth or fifth race of the calendar. This is going to be a disaster class by the McLaren team. And personally, it makes me feel better because it means my team isn't doing that bad. (laughs) But then again, it's always about your expectations. You know, Ferrari, we're expected to be fighting for the championship Mm -hmm. and one of our car doesn't finish. The race, and we're probably going to take a penalty next race. McLaren, they're expecting to be with the top dogs. They're expecting to be with Red Bull, Mercedes, Ferrari. But instead, they have probably the slowest car out there currently. Yeah. Yeah, so that that doesn't feel too good. All right, I want to have you make a choice. Should I be more negative or be positive? Because there's two paths here. About what? About just the next team I want to talk about. You should be positive. All right, positive. Aston Martin uh, against, I don't know. Okay. How do I phrase this? I, I had a bit that I was going to use here, but I think I already messed it up by talking <laughs> about this and explaining it against my great expectations and my scrutiny of outlets that have on-site reporters <laughs> and against the numbers. 
Aston Martin actually has a functioning rocket ship of a car. Wow. Yeah. I don't know how to say this, but they are a legitimate top-tier competitor this year, and I don't know how to feel about this. Because on one hand, they have my second favorite driver, Fernando Alonso. Yep. You know, as I've said before, you know, my favorite team, Ferrari. My number one, number two drivers, Carlos Sainz and Fernando Alonso. So on one hand, I'm happy that El Plan is going, is actually being completed. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, why now? Please. I, no. Well, I mean, it had to happen at some point. No. Yeah. Williams have been shit for so long and, uh, wait, I can't. Okay, well, well, I'll explain that in a little bit. But, you know, I'm very happy that Fernando Alonso has an actual good car, reliable car so far. I mean, in the opening lap, the two Aston Martins, like, hit each other. Like, uh, Lando Norris hit his front wheel into the back of the Aston Martin of Alonso. But it didn't seem to have any effect. In fact, it might have just lit a fire under the ass of that car Mm -hmm. because it was just speeding. He had, uh, it was actually a fantastic drive by him, by the Spaniard. And... Even though he had to pass by signs to get P3 and take his 99th podium, by the way. I believe that's the statistic. Very impressive. Very impressive. Amazing. And a really a very visual way of representing how long he's raced mm-hmm. in this series. Yeah. Just amazing stuff. Remember, there's some amazing photos of him celebrating this win. Not win. His podium. Uh, he's now, I, I don't know if he's the only driver. I need to remember the specifics again. Should we prepare for this? Maybe. Probably. But this is more fun. (laughs) Maybe. Probably not. It's more fun for us. Yeah. I get to use my memory and I, you know, you always need a good memory exercise every once in a while, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I believe he's the only driver to have achieved a podium with an engine of the major manufacturers. So he gotten, he's gotten a podium with a Mercedes engine now, with Aston Martin, mm-hmm. with a Renault engine when he was on Renault, which is now Alpine. And he actually got one while on Alpine, I'm pretty sure, as well. Uh, he got one with McLaren when he was on McLaren. Wait. Wait. Don't. McLaren don't produce their engines. I think they get them from Mercedes, but they might have, at the time, it might have been produced by Honda. Okay. Oh, boy. I should really know that. But there was a, one more that he got it from. Yeah. I mean, crazy stuff. He's just adding to his storied history, and it's amazing to see unfold right before our very eyes. Yeah. And Lance Stroll, too. He was driving with broken bones. Really? From his bike accident. Or not fully healed bones is the technical term, but honestly, oh. they could still be considered broken. And he still managed to get, like, what, P6, P5? He had an amazing drive as well. Um, the joke is the AMR23, the current model of their car, mm-hmm. has the bodywork of an of the RB18, Red Bull's car from last year, and the soul of a Mercedes, with because that's what they use for their engine. The joke was Christian Horner was like, oh, yeah, they got P3 with half a Red Bull. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, take that as you will. The green Red Bull jokes will continue, and I won't be surprised if we see those green Red Bulls on the Red Bull pit wall this coming race. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really be surprised either considering how well they did in this first race. But, you know, still only the first race. A lot can happen over the course of the season, so... Yeah, and Ferrari can find new ways to disappoint me. Yeah, that's also very true. You weren't supposed to. You weren't supposed to allow that. You're supposed to like push back. Yeah, Ferrari never disappoint anyone. Oh boy, (laughs) I'm fine. I'm fine. Uh, Quick rundowns of the other teams because I don't want to spend too much time going through every single team that get monotonous really quick. Yeah. Uh, Williams actually had a fantastic start to the season. I think. I think. It's been overlooked a lot, but Logan Sargent had a fantastic uh, debut. Out of all the rookies, I would argue he did the best. Uh, There's a video of his very first lap in F1, and it was clean. Nice. It was amazing, even from a midfield car, which I can't believe I'm saying this. 
a midfield Williams, not a back of the field one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Alex Albon also scoring points. Really good stuff coming out of that Williams garage. I'm really excited to see what they do. Uh, I really want to see Logan Sargent uh, succeed because he's an American. Yep. So hopefully this spells good things for the future. Uh, looking elsewhere, Haas F1 team, not the start they would have wanted. I mean, they were already pretty pessimistic about this race. Uh, alliteration. <laughs> <laughs> but their one person that seemed to have pace, Nico Hulkenberg, actually took on some debris in his car early on. So he never was able to keep the pace. So that was really unfortunate by him. So Haas also disappointing. No points. Alphatari, I don't even have the willpower to say anything about them. They were just boring. They didn't do well. Such a non-factor in the race. Such a non-factor. They could have taken them out and nothing would have changed this race. Alpine had an an interesting race, shall we say. I think Esteban Ocon accrued around, I don't know, 30 seconds total of penalty time. Dang. Yeah, so he... Let me run down the list for you. He lined up on the penalty grid, on the starting grid, uh, unlawfully, according to the F1 stewards. So he just had, like, a horrid time from the get-go. Yes, we already had a five-second penalty from there. He had a ten-second penalty from not serving that penalty correctly. Oh, my gosh. And then he had another one for speeding in the pit lane. I don't remember the specific... uh, Time punishments for all them, but they accrued to at least or over 30 seconds. Dang. Yeah. <laughs> Talk about, like, shooting yourself in the foot by completely, like, tiny little mistakes that could have been so easily avoided. Yeah, that... Mm, not the start that he would have wanted. Conversely, his teammate Pierre Gasly started the race from P20, very back. Yeah. Ended the race in the points. Nice. He had a really mega drive. Uh, It was overshadowed because of... Fernando Alonso and Leclerc, both for different reasons. Obviously, <laughs> as we've mentioned already, I'm still upset. Uh, but Pierre Gasly, actually, if I had to vote, he'd be my driver of the day. Okay. They do that vote every race. They see who the fans think is the best driver. And you know, they obviously have unbiased and great opinions. Did Verstappen win driver of the day? No, oh, okay. Alonso won, which I was That's okay fair. with. I, he had a really good drive too. So, yeah, overall, I mean, if I had to give the race a rating, and I should keep it, I should write this down somewhere, but I don't think I will right now. Okay, I'll, I'll just remember. That always goes well. Oh yeah, for sure. Overall, I'd give the race like a five or a six out of ten. Uh, it was pretty boring. I mean, the start's always entertaining. Mm-hmm. The ending was whatever. I mean. Alonzo had a really fun race. It was cool to see him succeed in the way that he did. Yeah, it is kind of a boring race unless you were like a Red Bull fan. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Moving on. Some news overall in F1, especially considering technical directors. Uh, It turns out Mercedes is considering firing their current technical director due to the failure of their failure to learn from last year and to develop a better car this year, I believe is their reasoning. Uh, they supposedly had a very midnight oil burning type meeting mm-hmm. in Bahrain, which where they discussed all this, discussed the issues they were having a big team meeting. None of them are really happy with the current situation. So his head might be on the chopping block on on the Italian version of this, the head has already been chopped off because he resigned. Ferrari's technical director who led the development of the F-175, last year's car, mm-hmm. and the SF-23, this year's car, has resigned. Uh, I don't know if this is a good thing or a bad thing. Uh, when I saw the news, I was like, God damn it, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of problems internally with Ferrari if it wasn't already obvious uh, the team principal, Mattia Benotto, last year and the t- years prior, took a lot of the brunt of the blame because he's mm-hmm. the team principal. You yeah. know? When you criticize anything, you're going to criticize the head honchos in charge. Yeah, but exactly. really, if we're talking honestly, the issues were more than just him. It was probably the technical directors, an issue with the engineers, something like that. So maybe it's a good thing. 
Uh, it looks like he's going to go over to McLaren, is the rumor. Really? <laughs> yeah. Uh, he had a backhanded comment. He was like, yeah, I mean, sometimes development goes badly when there's a lot of Italian emotion around. And I was like, okay. What do you mean by that? Good riddance. What do you good mean riddance. by that? Go to emotionless England for all I care. I don't. And guess what? I don't care. I don't. I'm getting upset at a guy I didn't know existed until I saw the headline. I was about to say, you sound like you care. I don't care. Okay. But I do. You don't care. I want to see the red racing team be at the top of the podium every time. Yeah, of course you do. Any good fan wants that. Any good fan, huh? That's that's an interesting take. I think, though, that's about it for F1. There's probably some news. I Okay, I'm making myself a promise. Even mm-hmm. though I have a bunch of projects and school stuff going on yeah. this next week or so, I I will take a note of all the notable F1 headlines. Okay. And I will better prepare myself for this next week. That's good. And also, it'll be easier because there's no race this this weekend. The Saudi Arabian Grand Prix is not this weekend, but the one after that. So okay. we'll bring you guys coverage of that in two weeks, which I believe we'll be able to record. If we record on our time that we're supposed to be... If we record when we're scheduled to, which is a Tuesday... And we usually record on Thursdays. Because we both have a lot of work on Tuesday nights. Yes. But it'll be different. So hopefully we'll get that out. I won't be available if we don't do it that day. Okay. Let's not discuss this here. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on for real to field. We have a lot of news to talk about. We have Champions League. We have Mm -hmm. CONCACAF Champions League. Mm -hmm. We have... The results of the track and field derby. We yes. also have MLS and Bundesliga and Premier League scores to talk about. Yeah. I mean, yes, actually, we're excited to talk about uh, uh, Premier League scores. We can also talk about Serie A scores if I was prepared to do that. We'll, we'll, we'll start doing that because I need to give more love to uh, Inter Milan. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of Inter, some big news for them as well. But should we start with the elephant in the room? I think we should. All right. So the second leg of the track and field derby has completed mm-hmm. and that Chelsea and Borussia D- Dortmund. Yeah. I'm just going to say Dortmund. <laughs> it's close enough. <laughs> What's wrong? I could I could be saying Dortmund. That's even more wrong. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Dortmund is better than me saying the other way. Yeah. I'm trying. I'm trying. That's good. I'm trying. I'm happy that you're trying. Thank you. Uh, where was I? Oh, yes. He completed at Stamford Bridge, Chelsea's home turf. And uh, you want to take us into the results? So um, the result of the second leg in the track and field derby is it is what Chelsea deserved um, because they were definitely the better team over the course of the two legs. They have by far had more chances and not only more, but also completely better chances than Borussia Dortmund did in over the course of the two legs. And so I completely commend them for that. Uh, they were the better attacking team. And especially in the second leg, they completely shut Dortmund's offense down. And, you know... Kukurele was... He was on fire. He was all right. Um, all right. He was man of the match. He was all right. Okay. Um... So, but, you know, the one caveat that I will add is that Dortmund are um, not in an injury crisis, but they do have key players who are injured currently. Um, Kayim Adiemi, who scored the goal in the first leg, out injured. Uh, he wasn't even on the bench. Uh, Julian Brandt, who's one of the most informed players in all of Europe, got injured in the fifth minute and had to get subbed off. Um, and then also... Our starting right back was Marius Wolf, who is not traditionally a right back. He's a utility man um, because both of our proper right backs are both injured. Um, but Wolf has done a good job in the past couple of weeks. But that's completely besides the point because even with those players that I mentioned healthy, it still would have been an extremely tough ask to see them beat Chelsea. And... I will admit that the way that Chelsea won left me a bit bitter 
Yeah. Um, because the first goal that they scored through Raheem Sterling, that one was fine. I was just disappointed that they the way they let it in, because they were doing uh, Dortmund were doing decently defensively before that. But you know, you always kind of knew that that goal was going to come. It was just unfortunate that it happened right before halftime. Um, but on the other hand, the second goal by Chelsea, which ultimately won the tie, is the one that I want to discuss and the one that left a sour taste in my mouth. Okay, so should I take over on this? Sure. All right, so in case it wasn't obvious, because I don't think we discussed this initially, the aggregate, complete aggregate score of the entire series was 2-1 to Chelsea. So Chelsea will be moving on to the round of 16. Round of 8. Round of... Quarterfinals. Round of 8. And Dortmund, unfortunately, has to say... Uh, an early goodbye. Uh, I think they are a very fun team, and I think they have a lot to look forward to coming back to the Bundesliga. So, mm-hmm. best of luck to them there. Uh, so, how do we start this? Uh, it started with a VAR and a handball. Yeah. So, Marius Wolf, who I was talking about earlier, um, he went out to the wing to defend a cross coming in. I think it was by Kukurea. Probably. I think um, it was. I think so. Um, and he turns his body, but as he turns, he leaves his left arm in an awkward position, an unnatural position. And it's away from his body, and his body is turned, and uh, as the cross comes in, it hits his forearm. And Wolf is, of course, standing in the box while this happens. And um, initially it wasn't called, which I was a bit surprised by, um, especially considering how close the referee was to the... Yeah. But then um, they stopped play after a little bit. Uh, referee went to a VAR check, and once that happened, I, I knew that they were going to give that penalty. It was pretty obvious. Yeah, I was trying my hardest not to, like, say anything because i definitely was not watching the game during a series of presentations during mm-hmm. a class i would never do that I'm yeah an academic weapon of sorts yeah but i definitely was not like clenching my fist really hard trying not to go <laughs> or whatever yeah i get the feeling yeah so they gave chelsea a penalty and interestingly i think they gave kai havertz the ball because i He's not typically the penalty taker, is he? No, because the penalty taker was Jorginho. Yeah. But then he left for Arsenal ah. in the winter window. And so uh, not having Jorginho and not getting that money penalty. I think this is their first penalty since Jorginho left. Probably. If I'm not mistaken. I mean, we haven't scored any goals since he left until yeah. the Leeds game. So Yeah. Um, so it was always going to be a toss-up for who took that penalty. And my initial thought is that it would, would have been Joao Felix. Um, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pretty good guess, too. Yeah. But then um, Kai Havertz ends up taking the penalty kick, which I was, like I said, an, a little bit surprised by. And he actually misses the kick. He he, uh, he beautifully and elegantly hit the post. Yeah. Um, oh, another player that I forgot to mention, Alex Meyer. Uh, our backup goalkeeper because Gregor Cole picked up an injury on Friday, but that's besides the point. Uh, uh, Meyer dives the wrong way uh, and completely leaves a gaping goal for Havertz to slot in, but then Havertz hits the post. The ball rebounds out and Sali Oschan, a Dortmund uh, defensive midfielder, uh, gets to the ball first and clears it. And of course, me personally thinking, I'm like, oh man, what a relief that we were able to get out of that sticky situation. Yeah. Meanwhile, on my end, I texted Alex at this time, effing Havertz every time, <laughs> considering yeah. Havertz his recent track record. No, but Havertz in the Champions League is different gravy. Yeah, I'm noticing. Um, and so I was like really relieved by that. I was like, oh man, I can't believe we got out of that one by the skin of our teeth. Um, but then. Of course, VAR comes back. The referee says that Salios Chan was uh, encroaching on the penalty box, which he was. Um, and so, basically, it gave Chelsea a second, a second chance. It gave Havertz a second chance. Yeah, Chelsea were able to retake the penalty, but um, and then Havertz scored the retake. But uh, I'm going to show this picture to Patrick. 
Yeah. Um, the person that I have circled in red is Sally Ozchen, who's the one who cleared the ball. Yeah. How many Chelsea players are in the box ahead of Sally Ozchen? Uh, none. None. It's a perfectly legal call. The answer is there's three. Going, no, no, there's there not. There are three Chelsea <laughs> no, players encroaching in the box in front of Sally Ozchen. listen to this man. Now, granted, there are also three Dortmund players <laughs> encroaching in the box in front of Salio's chin. They, they, they chose the wrong player to target, but it was whatever. No, they chose the right player to target because Salio's chin was the first one to touch the ball after it rebounded off the goal. So, while it is the correct call by the rules, by the letter of the law... <laughs> by the rules? Yes, by the letter of the law, it is completely the correct call. But it is just such a horrible way yeah. for Dortmund to get knocked out. Yeah. Meanwhile, again, just to update you guys on how I was texting Alex at this point after the second goal, I said, never mind. He's the greatest on earth. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The rest of the game, it, yeah. Chelsea were just de- defensive powerhouse as, as they're known for. Yeah. As they're known for. Um, Koulibaly had a great game, I thought. Completely took uh, Aller out of the match. Um, yeah, because Aller's main strength, at least so far from what I've seen him play for Dortmund, is his aerial ability and his hold-up play. Yeah. His ability to receive the ball with his back to goal and then facilitate it towards other players that are running. Um, but Koulibaly was on his back the entire time, won pretty much all of the aerial duels against Aller. And just had an overall great game. Uh, so, you know, taking Allaire out of the game was a big part. But, and then also missing Julian Brandt uh, from a Dortmund perspective is kind of what nullified them in attack. Because they didn't have that creative source in Julian Brandt that they have had in recent weeks. Mm-hmm. And then they didn't have that, um, you know, uh, spark or that starting... Uh, I'm not sure what I want to say, but that's starting like yeah, pass I know what you mean, yeah. from that initiation. Yeah, the knockdown ball that he is usually able to play. And so, you know, not having that, uh, and then also just like off performance from Jude Bellingham, injuries, yeah, and a great performance by Chelsea just kind of compounded in, uh, I think, a rightful and deserved. Chelsea victory. Yeah, I don't want to stay too long on this topic because we have other stuff we want to get to. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, Bellingham had an interesting game. There were some reactions on Twitter from him. It, it was interesting. I noticed there were some like tensions on the pitch at some point. Well, I think you got to keep in mind he's still 19 years old. Jude Bellingham's 19. Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. So I mean, imagine I he was like 20. That's only one year old. I, I not 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 twenty. Oh my god, like, like twenty five or something. I thought he was one of the older players. No, what he's the hell? he's only nineteen. We're nineteen. Well, I'm eighteen, so. I'm nineteen. <laughs> but I mean, like, you got to keep in mind he's still a young player, even though he is very mature. He's yeah. he's not a hundred percent there yet, which is okay because he's nineteen. Yeah. He'll um, get there, and he'll get bought by a, a wealthier club. Yeah. So you just got to keep in mind that it's not surprising that these emotions arise in a player that young because, you know, he's a teenager. Yeah. That's what teenagers do. Speaking of emotions, there were some very emotional reactions over in the land of Bayern Munich. I almost forgot where the game was played. <laughs> uh, PSG and Bayern, newfound rivals apparently. Because they keep drawing each other. Recently. Yeah. I mean, interesting. Yeah. It's funny how those two always seem to be pitted up against each other, like very consistently in the past couple of years. On one side of the pitch, there was a great celebration. Oh my God, we won, you know, screamed mm-hmm. out the Bayern fans. Meanwhile, PSG, well, I think you have a little bit more to say about this match, no? Yeah. I'll I let think, you take it. I think, um, a lot of people have been saying this, and I kind of agree with them. It's a structural problem yes. within the team of PSG that is preventing them from gaining success, especially in a competition like the Champions League, because they can bully their way through Ligue 1 all they want, even yeah, though they haven't. League. Even though they haven't in recent years, in like sixteen, seventeen, with Monaco winning the league, and then in twenty twenty one, yeah, with Lille. Um, but, you know, most of the time they can still bully their way through that league. But 
With the Champions League, it's completely different because they're going up against much better teams, much deeper squads, and teams that have the same, if not oh, the same amount of financial uh, backing as they do. Yeah. And so, you know, when you ha- I saw this post and it was like when Bayern Munich, their substitutes are that uh, they came on I- against PSG were Sadio Mane, Jacques Ancelo, um, Serge Gnabry and Leroy Sané. And what's significant about those subs? Um, they're all undisputed starters for their uh, national teams and some of the best players in the world in their positions. They have depth. Yeah, exactly. And that is not quite something that PSG have because you look outside their starting 11 and it's a lot of young players. It's a lot of um, inexperienced players. And so that depth along with, you know, the defensive weaknesses of their front three, because when you have Neymar, Mbappe and Messi all playing on the field at the same time, that's little to no defensive work rate from your front three. And that's some of the most important players that you can get defensive work rate from. Um, and, you know, you see this all the time with Mane, especially with his time at Liverpool. He was the one who always initiated the defense. And, you know, he forced defenders into uncomfortable positions, forcing them into mistakes, which is evidently how Bayern got their second goal. Yeah. Um, you know, they force a mistake by Verratti in the in the, in his own box. He gives the ball away. Uh, Müller finds it in the box, is able to square to Eric Maxim Chupomoting and easy tap and goal. Yeah, I mean, overall, this is like crushing for PSG. This is what the nth year in a row that they've had, just had a heartbreak because they are unable to really have a proper squad that is able to succeed in international competition. It feels like. This year felt like a soft reset for the club. Mm. Uh, they had a lot more French talent. They had a lot more homegrown stuff. Yeah. It was like a whole... F- they talked about a huge philosophy shift after what happened last year. But really, it ended up in the same result. I guess you could take away... Okay, Neymar wasn't there, if that if you want to say something. I mean, he's been in form lately, but, you know, you, you never really know what would happen on that day. Yeah. Uh, and they have a lot of, as you said, young and experienced players. So they need time to develop. And unfortunately, they are supporting characters in a movie with three big names, mm-hmm. but with terrible writing. That's how I describe PSG. Okay. I think that's a pretty good thing. You know, I think that is a pretty apt description. Because even if you have great actors, sometimes the writing is just so bad and the supporting cast is just not enough that it just fails. Yeah. And that's what happened with PSG. Uh, they have... Arguably, three of the biggest names in all of soccer globally. Kylian Mbappe is like the new age greatest player. Yeah. Messi, my personal greatest player of all time. Mm-hmm. And Neymar, which legend, you know, he's not at GOAT status, but he's he's a legend. Yeah. No matter how you toss it, no matter how you feel. So, I mean, outside of the Eminem line, you, you obviously, I don't want to like take away from their other talented players. But they just don't have that name power, you know. Yeah. Um, they do have talented players, but it's just like, it's not a team. Yeah, and they got really close to scoring. Uh, it was a goal line save by Bayern's goalkeeper that kept them in until they scored their second goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, but overall, it's just pretty big collapse by, by the uh, Parisians. All right. So there are two other matches. In the uh, Champions League that went on. Yeah. And because we don't want to get too, too deep into it, I have a plan. We're going to have one minute split between us for 30 seconds. And we're going to talk about the other two matches. Uh, One of the matches was Benfica versus Club Brugge. Brugge. Yeah. Yeah. And then the other one was Tottenham versus AC Milan. I can tackle the Tottenham game. Sounds good. I noticed how I said Tottenham, not Milan, because I hate Milan. <laughs> and you can talk about the Benfica incident that happened over there. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to start my timer. You have 30 seconds starting now. Okay, so Benfica scored five goals against Club Brugge. 
And Club Bougia were one of the best defensive teams in the group stage of the Champions League. So seeing them get completely dismantled over two legs with an aggregate score of 7-1 to one <laughs> is crazy. Because, you know, Club Bougia in the Belgian Pro League have been good, but a little bit underwhelming. Um, but to see them completely capitulate against Benfica in this way, very surprising. But props to Benfica. All right, that was his 30 seconds now. It, I will take over starting now. Over on the other side, we had a battle between two of my least favorite teams in the entire world, Tottenham Hotspur and AC Milan. I mean, Tottenham just... The, the overall score of the entire series was 1-0 AC Milan. Tottenham just looked lifeless and like they couldn't do anything against the Italian team. Uh, uh, it was just so sad to watch. They had no passion. There was no passion in that club to <laughs> quote a funny video about Chelsea. Yeah, and there's nothing really much more to say. AC Milan, they're going to lose next round. Tottenham, they already lost. Good, good game. I don't know what I said at the end there. Yeah, um, and a red card for Romero as well for Tottenham. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a battle between... It's like a battle between who do I want to see lose more when it has to end up being AC Milan, but I can't in good faith say that I'm preferring Tottenham over another club. Yeah. So it's, it's a bit of a weird situation. But overall, Benfica... They dark horse, I would say, honestly. Yeah, Benfica have always been great producers of insane Portuguese and just like global talent overall. Yeah. And I believe it was Gonçalo Ramos um, who scored a couple times against Benfica. Um, let's see. Yeah. While he's, while he's looking up the facts for that, I just want to say uh, AC Milan, although they won, I don't consider them to be a real threat. I think they're headed for a round of eight exit, hopefully to the hands of, I don't know what the bracket looks like. Oh, uh, well, it's not decided yet. All so, right. so they, far the only teams that have qualified are Benfica, Chelsea, uh, Bayern Munich and AC Milan. AC so there's Milan. still four other teams that yep. need to qualify. All right. And so you got the thing that you were looking for? Yeah. So Gonzalo Ramos actually got two goals and an assist in that game. In the five one dismantling. Yeah, that's crazy. So also, quick shout out because the one goal that uh Club Rouge did score in uh the in both legs had an assist by Tejan Buchanan, who's a Canadian uh winger slash uh fullback who used to play for the New England Revolution. So CONCACAF strikes again. Best shout region. Out, Best shout conference. Out to, shout out to Tejan Buchanan. Uh so you want to tell me again the aggregate score of that series? Seven to one. Seven to one. You know what's worse than a seven to one? A seven nil. A seven nil. And you know what's even worse? Losing so, against one of your biggest rivals. That's having one of their shittier seasons in recent memory. Yeah. That's what happened over at. Okay. Oh shit! I don't know which stadium it happened at. Old Trafford. Old Trafford. No, it happened at Anfield. Oh ah! my gosh. You. You. You screamed into the mic again. Sorry to our listeners. I'm not sorry. You should be. No. Anyways. It <laughs> happened at Anfield. It happened at Anfield, which is the home of... Liverpool. Liverpool. I knew that. Yeah. I definitely care enough to know about my rivals. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Uh, yeah. Shock defeat pretty much takes Manchester United out of the uh, title race for Premier League. If they were ever even in it. Which their fans are delusional enough to say that they were. So. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to you, you wanna go into the weeds of this a bit more? Um, so I would like to, this, uh, section of the podcast is dedicated to all of the Manchester United fans and all of the top six fans who aren't from <laughs> Liverpool, um, specifically about all the treatment of Cody Akpo and Darwin Nunez. All those like funny jokes, I put funny in air quotes because they're not funny. Oh. Um, where they're like, oh, Darwin and Cody are become, becoming 007 because in seven games they have zero goals and zero assists. <laughs> Stupid. I hate that. No. No, 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 no. But I hate this <laughs> culture that they have in England where if you're not good after seven games, then you're completely written off. Yeah. It's so stupid. They're trying to do the same thing to like Anthony and Makalo Mudrik as well. Which I, I hate it so much. But the fact that Manchester United fans were the ones leading the charge because they were pissed off and uh, coping that they didn't get, get to sign Cody Akpo in the winter transfer window. Um, and then Cody 
Darwin, and Mo Salah each scoring two goals against Manchester United uh, on the weekend. So vindicating. <laughs> oh my gosh. It was ridiculously... Uh, I, I just felt amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's always good to see what the teams above you on their downfall, honestly. Mm -hmm. I take special pride in that because it seems like every top club is above Chelsea right now. So seeing them lose brings me a special joy. Yeah, uh, It's pretty shocking for Manchester United, though, when you consider their recent form. Mm -hmm. uh, I think the track and field curse has struck again. <laughs> because I get so we mentioned this in an earlier episode, but they had a disastrous start to the season. Yep. They had a great recovery. Mm -hmm. They went on to beat Arsenal top of the table right now. Yeah. And then beat FC Barcelona in the Europa League. Yep. And then lost 07 to <laughs> Liverpool, who's in eighth place right now. Well, they're not in eighth anymore. Where are they? They're like fifth. I don't care. I, ah. I, <sighs> but um, in my opinion, I don't think we can gain too much from this game analysis-wise. Yeah, because guess what? What? They play an actual club next. Next week. Who, Liverpool? Yeah. They play Real Madrid, no? No, I thought they also played Bournemouth at the weekend. Who? <laughs> In Bournemouth. Literally who? Yeah. Um. But no, like I was saying, I don't think you can gain too much from this game uh, for both sides, really. I th Well, I think a little bit from Liverpool, it'll be a nice kick in the pants um, to kind of like kickstart mm -hmm. the, or what should have been kickstarted um, already. Just get but some, you get 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 them some momentum exactly going into the rest of the season. Yeah, but I think from a Manchester United perspective, it's just like one of those things where it happened. You just got to move on, and I wouldn't look too much into it because you know it was just a really really bad day. Yeah. And I mean, at the end of the day, if you're really feeling bad, just know that you can add another date to one of your historical events of this storied club. Yeah. The day you lost 07 to Liverpool. <laughs> Their biggest loss in Premier League history. Oof. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. All right. I think we should stray away from the land of tea and crumpets. Okay. And do you want to bring us our your certified patented Dortmund update? Woohoo, Dortmund update. Um, So we already talked about the Champions League stuff, so I won't mention that again. Their first loss of the year, by the way. Yes, their first loss of 2023 was to Chelsea. Um. But besides that, uh, they played against Leipzig on Friday of last week, which was a massive, massive game because I believe going into that game, Leipzig were only four points behind Dortmund. So, and Dortmund were tied with Bayern at the top of the tables. So that was a must win game for them. And they ended up pulling it off, even with uh, Gregor Kobel picking up a muscle, muscle injury. Uh, in the warm-up to that game and Alex Meyer getting short notice that he was going to be the starting goalkeeper. Um, he still put in a pretty good performance. 2-1 uh, win, I believe, with goals from Emre Chan and who scored the other goal for Dortmund? Why can I not remember this? Damn, fake fan. <laughs> it happened a week ago. <laughs> Cut me some slack. No. Absolutely not. I say this as I'm looking for the entire results from this from their last oh, game. That's right. It was a Marco Royce penalty. Mm. Um yeah, so really, really good performance in the first half by Dortmund. Uh they were attacking very well. They were defending very well. But then, of course, in typical Dortmund fashion, they had to make it super nervy in the second half, mm -hmm. giving up a goal in the seventy fourth minute to Emil Forsberg. Um, and then also just giving up a host of chances to Leipzig as well. Um, so, you know, a rough one to get through, but we got through nonetheless. Another three points is another three points, no matter how it comes about. But, you know, continually, they are, they're still tied at the top of the table with Bayern Munich uh, for another week because Bayern beats Stuttgart as well. So... But they're also five points clear of Union Berlin, Union. who are in third. And a big match to look forward to over the weekend is the Revere Derby, 
where Dortmund will play against their biggest rivals, FC Schalke Nürnberg. And they definitely won't lose. Uh, they for yeah. sure won't lose because they're because look, Dortmund's at the top of the table. You know, they're in the they're in the title race right now. You know, there's absolutely no way they would lose to a team facing relegation right now. Yeah, absolutely none. I I feel like I should be on like a like a public watch list, like safety list, because the look Alex is giving me right now. I feel like there's a dagger pointed at my heart. There is. Oh, no, th- there's not. Th- there's no threat right now. We are fine. He's just giving me a look. <laughs> I tried to, like, make sure there was no issues, but in doing so, it sounded worse. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't like the comment that you made. <laughs> Which comment? About them definitely not losing to... Uh, Shalka no fear. What? Uh, hey, hey, mom and dad. If you're game. listening to this episode of the, if you're easy game, mom and dad. If you're listening to this episode of the podcast, you any can you send me my AC Milan jersey in the mail? Oh my god! <laughs> I know it doesn't fit me anymore, but I will still wear it to the next episode of this podcast. You are the worst. Genuinely, genuinely, you would do that. After- Thanks, guys. I love you. Wow, I'm gonna buy a Shalka shirt. Do it. No, I don't care. <laughs> From the land of sauerkraut, we go to the land of pasta. Yeah, I have to do stereotypes. And it, it it's never <laughs> as easy for my own country. So whatever. Uh, oh, but it's super easy to stereotype other countries. Oh, it is totally. Yeah. Uh, Inter Milan had a pretty easy weekend. Uh, the two over Lecce. 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 Yeah. You're Italian. I don't know how to pronounce these clubs' names. I, it's yeah, but it's like I can't speak Italian. Yeah, but even if you don't speak Italian, you should know like the the mannerisms and the inflections I that they have. I'm learning as I go, and in fact, I was gonna use Inter to help me learn Italian from a new product they just released. Now it's gonna sound like an ad. It's not. Uh, it is. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> Hashtag ad. Uh, Inter Milan today, actually, at the day of recording, which is March eighth, ninth, ninth. Today is March ninth. Uh, Inter Milan celebrating their 115th anniversary, uh, 115 years of the Nerazzurri, mm-hmm. the Internazionale Milano. Uh, obviously, big history with this club. Uh, they're celebrating their the the night their colors were formalized of the of the stars in the night sky, which mm-hmm. is what they said was their coloring. That's pretty cool. Uh, after the unfortunate dropping of the gold from the color palette, oh. the rebrand wasn't bad. But it wasn't great either. It was unnecessary. The gold was nice. Yes. Uh, and to celebrate, they released a whole like line of 115th anniversary stuff. And one of them was a pretty cool book. Uh, it had pictures of all of their all of their shirts from their history, fan shirts, some concepts that never saw the light of day. Mm-hmm. And I was going to pick it up. I was showing Alex it right before we started recording, and it's out of stock. So go figure, you know. Really unfortunate. Yeah, I'll pick something else up because I really like their designs, even if it has a snake on it. No, the snake looked really cool because it was a snake going across the Inter logo, but the snake was um, contorted in a way where it... Um, it looked like a 115. Yeah, it looks like a 115. And I thought that was really cool. cool. And I mean, snake is a big symbol of Inter Milan. Yeah. Uh, as much as I hate it because I absolutely detest snakes with a passion. Why? Oh my God, they freak me out so much. Well, Demon but if spawn. It's like, Demon spawn. But if it's Have like, you seen Indiana Jones? Have you seen Indiana Jones? Yes. I used to think I was Indiana Jones because I thought, yeah, I hate snakes. I'm just like him. Harrison <laughs> Ford like is just like me for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all I have to talk about over there for Inter. Pretty uneventful. They play this weekend, this week in the Champions League I against Porto, FC Porto. Yep. Yes, I remembered. <laughs> and they won the first leg, correct? Yeah. And so it should hopefully not end in disaster, please. Honestly, I could see them winning the whole thing. So Really? And I'm not delusional at all by saying that. Okay. <laughs> Either way, okay. Right before before we move on, I want to give a final thoughts about the Champions League state. Mm-hmm. I think this is Italy's year, if I'm being honest. Okay. I think Inter Milan and Napoli look very more so the latter. Yeah. They look very scary and they look very strong. 
three. Uh, well, theoretically, is it three? Is Juventus? No, Juventus is in Europa League. No, yeah, they are. They're in the Europa League. Europa League. So there's only three Italian teams in Champions League, right? Currently, yes. Yes. Okay. I was like, am I going insane? No. <laughs> but Inter Milan, AC Milan, and Napoli, all three of them won their first legs. Mm-hmm. And AC Milan is the first to move on to the round of eight. Napoli, it looks pretty free for them, I'm going to be honest with you. And Inter, they shouldn't have much issue either. That would mean, based on my very knowledgeable and not at all just assuming based on random ass statistics that I'm making up, that would mean that they Italy has the highest percentage of teams in the round of eight out of any other country. Would that be right? Because theoretically, who else makes it through? Uh, Chelsea's made it through, which is one for England. Mm -hmm. Um, So Chelsea have made it through. Benfica. Benfica's from... Portugal. Portugal. Bayern Munich. Germany. And Milan. Those are the four teams that have made it through. Yeah. I believe uh, the predicted winners this week, I don't remember. Real Madrid. Yeah. From Spain. Mm -hmm. And then, I don't... Inter Milan from Italy. Napoli from Italy. I forget who the other club is. Manchester City versus RB Leipzig. They're currently tied on aggregate. They're tied? Yeah. Ooh. That would be an interesting game, actually. Yeah. But Especially with um, Christopher Nkunku coming back from injury for Leipzig. Yeah. Based on my assumptions, Italy should have the highest number of teams in the round of eight. So if it, if Italy wants to come back into the soccer relevancy, make Serie A great again. <laughs> I oh hate that gosh. phrase. I hate that phrase. I couldn't think of anything better. Uh, this, is how they, this is how they start. Oh, yeah, for Are sure. They, you know what they need to do after this? What? They need to win the Nations League. And then they need to qualify for the World Cup. I think qualifying for the World Cup is number one goal. Maybe. But let's move away from Europe. Let's go to CONCACAF. Yes, I love CONCACAF. CONCACAF. It is the most ridiculous. (laughs) The Confederation of North Central American other shit. Well, it's North Central Caribbean and like... uh, ridiculous amount of islands all those like island nations and stuff yeah basically it's just what we use here in the americas yeah so it's basically it's, whoever's it's, not good enough to get into con mobile who's the south american it's our uh, uefa yeah so um but Concacaf champions league has returned and in the most Concacaf champions league fashion it is absolutely ridiculous with results um so you know austin fc oh boy last year's uh MLS Western Conference finalists uh, end up losing 3-0 against Violetta AC. Do you want to know where Violetta AC are from? Are they from New Guinea? That's no. not even in the... It's yeah. not oh in Oh my Kong. god. I love geography. Where are they from? They're from Haiti. <laughs> yeah. And they, <laughs> they beat... scored an own goal too. They beat Austin FC 3-0. In the CONCAF Champions League. And one of them wasn't even one of their goals. No, yeah. they uh, Austin FC scored a crazy own goal where a cross came in by the Violetta player. Um, another Violetta player gets on the end of it, heads it to goal. Incredible save by uh, Austin goalkeeper Brad Stuver. Um, and he parries it straight to one of his defenders. So you think, oh, cool. That was a fantastic save. Now he's going to clear it out. Wrong the Austin defender is facing his own goal as the ball is coming to him. I guess his knee buckles or something, or like he's falling as he clears the ball. It's complete galazzo, though. Yeah, he's falling as he clears the ball and ends up hitting, like, lashing it into his own net, which is just like, I saw that, and he I was, was thinking... so egregious. Yeah, since I used to play as a goalkeeper, I was just thinking, wow, if I made a save that good... And my defender just kicks it straight into the net right after that. I would be so mad. Yeah, I, it was really bad to the point where uh, the athletic, who never really covers the MLS in their daily newsletters, mm-hmm. uh, talked about it. They mentioned it. Yeah. So, well, I mean, because it's just such it a was ridiculous. So bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what else happened? So, I, I think anything else notable? I know LAFC plays tonight, right? They play in like forty the, minutes. The League's Cup, right? No, they're playing in CONCACAF Champions League. What's the difference? 
<laughs> we would need like an entire episode. Okay, then let's not get into it. So they play so LAFC, the apparent club that we agree on, even though I don't really have a I don't really have a preference between them and uh the LA Galaxy. Mm. I'm in danger. Yeah, no, you're really not making yourself uh <laughs> Making yourself like I don't really follow MLS closely enough to really want to like cheer. I mean, I I don't know how to say this. I do care, but I don't care as much as I care about Inter. Well, yeah, of course. Okay, whatever. Moving on. But you 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 make it seem like you don't Uh, care. LAFC play tonight against. I don't know the club's name. Alajuelense. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I didn't think you would. (laughs) (laughs) They're from Costa Rica. Um, they've been in the CONCACAF Champions League for the past couple of years. Um, hopefully LAFC win. They got the Italian goat in, yeah. in, the, in the starting lineup. They got Chiellini who's starting. Um, yeah, I mean, not much to say on that. Uh, LAFC won their home opener against in MLS. Portland Timbers. Against Portland Timbers. So. Which extends their home opener win streak to six, right? Yeah, they have won every single home opener that they have had. Because they've only been around for six years. Yeah. So, pretty pretty fun fact. That they're, is cool. They're a pretty decent club right now. Yeah. One thing that I would like to touch on, uh, still regarding the CONCACAF Champions League, is the game between Alianza a team from El Salvador and Philadelphia Union because Philadelphia Union, as most people know, or maybe most people don't, I don't know. depends on how closely you follow MLS. Um, Philadelphia Union are not only finalists in MLS Cup from last year losing to LAFC on penalties, um, but they are also one of, if not the favorite, to win MLS Cup this season. Really? Yeah. And so, not only did they lose to Inter Miami over the weekend. God, I hate that name. Ugh. Why do you hate that name? It's close because enough to Inter call- Milan. Exactly. People are gonna say Inter and they're gonna say, "Oh, I meant Miami." No. Who who is gonna say that? People to piss me off. Who? You. You. No, You're I would never that. say that. You're gonna start doing that. You told your parents to get you an AC Milan jersey up here just to spite me. You would absolutely start calling Inter Miami just Inter. I was being sarcastic. I, we're going to have to have a brawl. Yeah. One of these days. Live on <laughs> Pay-per-view boxing match <laughs> for track and field. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, no, but the reason I wanted to talk about the Alianza versus Philadelphia Union game is because not only did Philly... And Alianza draw nil to nil, which is already pretty surprising, considering, like I said, Philly are one of the favorites. Um, but also, very notable in this game, in the middle of the game, a stray dog ran onto the pitch. Oh, that's what happened. Yeah. I read something about that. Yeah, which is like, because the game was being played in El Salvador. So, you know, Central American soccer, all sorts the of best. crazy things happen. It's very fun to watch. Not... For the quality, but for the absurdity. No, for the quality. Yes, for, for the, the quality. quality. Um, but no, a stray dog just runs onto the pitch in the middle of the game. We, so We love that dog. Yeah, we and the dog him. just like chases straight after the ball and just starts like gnawing on it. <laughs> so funny. Base dog. Yeah. Um, eventually, though, one of the workers at the stadium carried the dog off the field and hopefully escorted it safely. Hopefully. Yeah. We'll see. Um, but no, that's really all I wanted to touch on for that. And to like make fun of Philly a little bit for drawing nil nil with, uh, Alianza. Wow. Yeah. You're just like that. I am like that. Wow. I think that, I think that about does it though for our episode. Uh, we had a a lot more to talk about this week and honestly, pretty good stuff. I think. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see you again next week. Uh, we'll, we'll see if I'm either depressed from Inter or excited from Inter. Uh, Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say? Um, oh, there is one thing, one last topic that I would like to touch on right before we end. Yes. And it is regarding Angel City FC. So oh, in an I earlier episode, they got the number one draft pick, right? Mm-hmm. In an earlier episode, we mentioned uh, how they drafted a player number one overall straight out of high school in a high school that's pretty close to where we went to high school. Yes. Um, the player's name is Alyssa Thompson. 
and she made her debut for Angel City FC in an international friendly against the women's team of Club America, one of the most successful teams in Mexico. Um, and five minutes into her debut, she rounds the keeper, scores on an empty net. Ridiculous. That's so cool. She's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Um, 18 years old. Uh, definitely one to keep an eye out for not only just in like NWSL terms, but also for the U.S. women's national team terms as well. Yeah, and just women's soccer in general. She's going to be a fun person to watch. Hopefully, though, a, a rich overseas club does not snatch her up and take her over to yeah. Europe. Uh, yeah. I'd like her to stay in L.A. Yeah, Alyssa Thompson and Kristen Press are going to be Angel City FC legends and lead them to their first NWSL title. And they definitely won't be taken out by uh, Chelsea women's. Definitely not. When would they play Chelsea women's? No, I mean, like, like they get signed by them and oh. they're taken overseas. I hope not. I hope not either. It probably won't happen. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. That's all they got. Yeah. Congratulations, Alyssa Thompson. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.